Um, last while I've been thinking um, about the, the word, I guess, and the concept, the ideas uh, behind the word values. And when we're talking about the Lord's Prayer, we say, Thy kingdom come and thy will be done here on earth. As it is in heaven, I, I kind of began to think about the values you might see within the kingdoms of this world and the values that we might hold up as being kingdom values. So there's a few slides that, um, that Bonnie will um, display but just to sort of help get our minds onto that idea. Uh, the first one is actually really a definition, not my definition. It, it, uh, it was one that I, I found that I think speaks to what it means. A person's principles or standards of behavior and one's judgment of what is important in life. Number two, how does your faith shape your values? Number three, and we'll talk a bit about some of these, to what extent the kingdom of God values clash with the values of the kingdoms of this world. And number four, if you had a piece of paper and a pen or pencil, something to write on, and someone said, okay, identify what you think might be some of the top kingdom of God values, things that we would see as important within God's kingdom, what might you jot down? There are three pictures that are, are going to follow. I, uh, each one of them, I think, uh, sort of identifies one, I'll call it kingdom of God value, and I'll, I'll just let the pictures and what they say speak for themselves. It's interesting, Jeanette. Uh, we had we spent some time this week, Chris and myself and Jeanette, and um, we were maybe talking a little bit about this. And Jeanette said the favorite shirt that Sean wore, or occasionally wears, is the one that says that last one, an eye for an eye. Potentially makes the whole world blind, and it speaks to kind of a higher or a different way of. Um, reacting to things in, in life that we might think we have a reason to be a bit more um, resentful for or angry about. Um, we are told by Paul so often uh, things like set your mind on things above, to walk in a manner worthy 
of the calling that we all have been given as children of God. Uh, and the fact that as Christians, we actually should think of ourselves more as citizens of heaven. That should color our walk more than our concerns about being a citizen of Canada. As good as that might be, really the call of the Christian life is to live within that kingdom realm, but with a kingdom of God mind. And over the past, past few months, I've, I've thought about the, this concept, and I think one way of contrasting the kingdoms of this world with the kingdoms of God is to sort of stop and think a little bit about the word and the concept of values. Um, what does it mean for us to live out kingdom values within the kingdoms of this world? And I think values has become a very key political talking point, uh, both north of the border and south of the border. And it's a very loaded word when you begin to use the word Canadian values or American values, that word, I think, is loaded. Um, several weeks ago in his address to the nation, the U.S. president referenced American values several times in his speech to the nation. Our own prime minister frequently refers to Canadian values when he speaks to us as a nation. When he travels abroad and even in the middle of trade agreements, he talks about Canadian values. And he and his party also draft legislation for our country based on this understanding of Canadian values. About a year ago, I think the Conservative Party was in the process of electing a new leader. And uh, one of the uh, candidates uh, campaigned on a platform of potentially screening potential immigrants based on a checklist of Canadian values. I do not know if you remember that. Probably most of you will. The term values is often used as if everybody is in agreement as to what that means. That if I was to throw out the term Canadian values, everybody would say, yeah, know what that is. I'm in full agreement. That's who we are. But you and I know at times that a liberal and a conservative version of Canadian values can actually look and sound quite different. That a Democrat's version of American values can have a very different tone very different emphasis than a Republican version of American values. In fact, I would say that increasingly, people say around the world, politics is becoming more and more polarized. And I would say that polarization is very often 
an expression of a difference of opinion in terms of values. If you were to Google Canadian values, uh, which I did, you will get a list that looks something like this. And if you look at the top one, uh, it was the first one that came up it's that these were identified as things that within our, this kingdom of this world, that these would be values that we hold as a country. Fairness, democracy, safety, diversity, inclusion, economic security, sustainability, and equity. Now you may say, well, there's quite a few that I could think of, Doug, that aren't up there. Some of them you may be thinking in terms of the rights and freedoms that we also have as Canadians. But I would say, even looking at that list of values, some of those things on that list, we would say as children of God, we have no argument with some of those. That we would actually say they do not in any way, shape, or form seem to oppose what God would have for us or even have us live out. But there are items on that list where you might ask, what do you mean by diversity? What do you mean by inclusion? That there are some of those things that are sometimes talked about as if we all agree on them, that we would say, you know what, we, we might want to have a discussion about this, or we might actually see those values completely differently as children of God. One thing is clear, and I, I think we as a church, as children of God, always need to keep this in perspective, that the meaning of values within the kingdoms of this world, what they look like and what they sound like, is driven by a secular way of thinking. That there is actually, I would say, a secular will at play in the world in which you and I live. It's interesting. Even though every president ends virtually every major speech by saying, and God bless the United States of America. It's safe to say that politicians do not use the Bible. They do not use the teachings of Jesus as their reference point for the decisions they make or the laws they pass. So God, who is never addressed, you might say, in the content of the speech, is simply to called on at the end to bless the nation. And I think it speaks to this dissonance that exists between the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of God. If you Google American values, um, it's a bit more difficult to find several that look identical, so they look it's more challenging to find a list of American values than it is to find a list of Canadian. But um, these ones came up quite often. And I, your family too has probably at times traveled to the United States and uh, for whatever reason. And 
as you come back over the border, back into Canada, you, you sort of have this sense of, wow, it kind of feels good to be back on Canadian soil. Um, we call each other neighbors, and we even call each other friends, but even in terms of the values of those two countries, there's something quite different about them. Uh, this list has things like individualism. Uh, I would say in the United States that is a high priority. Materialism. Um, progress and change, I think we'd probably say, well, we, we, we would value that. Competition. Thought, wow, that's, it's really a country in which, you know, go for it. If you're lucky enough to do well, good for you. If not, good luck. Volunteerism, I don't think we'd argue with that. Equality, science, technology, uh, work, leisure. I'm not sure exactly what they mean by that. Maybe they're talking about a work, leisure balance in life, which is increasingly hard to find, I think most people would say. Mobility, action, and achievement. And as I looked at those and compared them kind of with the Canadian values, it struck me that we are really quite different nations. As I thought about this whole concept of the values of the kingdoms of this world, I really think that one of the strongest voices when it comes to expressing those values is that of the media. Uh, that the media is not just... The, the media is not without opinion. And I would say the media is not without an agenda. Um, and most of our teenagers have access to that voice in the palm of their hands every day. Uh, we may watch that voice in the evening if we listen to evening news. Uh, we certainly listen to and watch that voice if we are watching the entertainment of this world. Uh, if we listen to radio, and I would say especially if you listen to CBC radio at times, you are listening to the voice of the media that I believe is not without opinion and in fact is a voice with a pretty strong agenda. That if we're taking our cues or if we're feeding our minds on the media of this world without intentionally critiquing what we see and hear, we are going to be drawn towards the values of this world. Programming is often intentionally designed to promote and even celebrate a secular agenda on a wide range of social issues. So everything you listen to, everything you watch, I believe we, as children of God, need to filter through the lens of kingdom values. Doesn't necessarily mean you need to turn everything off, but if what you're watching makes you squirm or feel uncomfortable, you may need to flick the channel. And it's interesting, I, there are some shows in the evening that uh, over the last few years I have come to enjoy. One is called Kim's Convenience. Don't know if you know that show. 
I believe it is a CBC show, but I can watch that show without thinking like, okay, Doug, you're going to watch this and you're going to step from the kingdom of God values and mindset into the kingdoms of this world. I don't have that sense of real dissonance. But there's a couple of shows that come on right after that that I realize I need to turn these off because they are in a very overt way expressing the opinions and the values of this world. Uh, And I would say sometimes in graphic ways, they give expression to what the country means when it talks about diversity or inclusion. It's like, oh, okay, that's what you're referring to. And as I say, I, I, at this point, realize that those are sources of entertainment that I do not need to see. I would say they're also sources of entertainment that our children don't need to try to process. And as children of God, I would say they are programs that we simply say, you know what, that's wrong. That the word of God, the teachings of Jesus, the narrative of the Bible would say that what I'm viewing here is simply wrong. And I think media has such a powerful will behind it that media truly does promote the values of the secular kingdoms of this world, and it has the power to desensitize us It has the power to desensitize our kids and our youth to things that should actually trouble them. And I think most of our kids in middle school, high school, are in the middle of the kingdoms of this world, hearing the values of this world, hearing what the church says and saying, man, these are at times in such opposition. It's interesting, the, I think it was, uh, I forget when the last, when I heard it first. There are many um, faith-based groups who apply for summer grants. So they apply to the government for grants to help them hire, very often it's students, to help them in summer programs, um, many of which are like summer camp type work, or it could be working with marginalized people, homeless people, um, organizations that were specifically mentioned were uh, this organization called Mustard Seed in Calgary, uh, which does great work uh, for the marginalized people uh, in Calgary. And uh, this year, in order to apply for student summer grants, the government added a box. And you need to tick these boxes off if you're going to apply. And the box indicated, if you checked it off, that you were in agreement with the reproductive rights, which we see as a Canadian value, I'm not saying we, but the government. 
or even, uh, I'll call it sort of the agenda of the LGBTQ community. That unless you check that box, it was like, don't bother applying for summer grant money. It is probably one of the most overt examples, I would say, of the kingdom of this world intentionally either saying, we don't want you, or putting those organizations into a very difficult place. Many of the organizations that hire students that come from a faith-based perspective uh, are not involved in those two specific issues. They're involved in summer camp ministry, or they're involved in feeding, or they're involved in shelter. They're not directly involved in reproductive rights or pro-choice or LGBTQ agenda. And so there was a bit of a tone, well, just check it off anyway, and then keep on doing what you do. And it puts faith-based organizations in this uncomfortable position of, do we want to be integral about what we believe? And if we are, we cannot check that box. Now, there's been a fair amount of conversation about that. Um, and maybe, I don't know to what extent the government has backed off on it, but it was such, it was legislation that was not passed without careful thought about who is this going to impact. Clash sometimes of the kingdoms of this world and the kingdom of God can all of a sudden be quite specific. You know, we are called, I believe, to love all people, and we are called to value all people. But we are not called to celebrate, support, or even adopt their values. That in all situations where the values of the kingdom clash with the values of this world, we are asked to speak the truth and then it's followed by two words, in love. That we believe that Jesus calls us to live differently. That we believe that God's will for us calls us to a different standard. And that that standard is not open to change. There are many things I believe that the word of God is pretty clear on. But I believe strongly that our attitudes as children of the kingdom, our attitudes and our words, even towards things that we oppose, must sound like a position of love. I, I really think that's one of the biggest challenges of the Christian voice. There are those that feel our voice should be loud. Uh, my feeling is that most of the time, those loud voices come across as condemning voices, which easily comes across as sounding like hatred. 
and counterproductive, I believe, to the cause of Christ. You know, it's true that Jesus did not always respond gently. And that at times he referred to groups of primarily men as a brood of snakes. Called them whitewashed tombs. Called them phrases like, you are like dead men walking But if you think about to whom did he speak that way, it was virtually always to the religious leaders of the day. But he was willing to sit down and eat with taxpayers and sinners. I really think we have to be so careful in how we are response. says, Jesus went as a lamb to the slaughter. He did not go kicking and screaming. Even though his executioners knew exactly what they were doing, Jesus said, forgive them, for they actually do not know what they're doing. In the kingdom of God, we are called to love above all God himself. We are asked to love others as we love ourselves. And the teachings of Jesus challenge us to love even our enemies. I'm going to say love those who quite often may think completely different than you. Jesus says you need to somehow show the love of God. Not the judgment of God, not the whatever. You need to somehow show the love of God. There's nothing of greater value in the kingdom of God than the expression of love, especially in situations where perhaps our natural response would be to react quite differently. Uh, I think it was this last week. um, There was a little clip on the news that I'm going to show. I remember watching it. And there were certain things about it, and maybe it's because Winnipeg is where my good wife was born. The Kildonan neighborhood of Winnipeg is a fairly Mennonite churched area of Winnipeg. In the clip, there's even a picture of a Mennonite church. In the story, there's a pastor who... um, speaks to the situation. And I remember as I was watching it and thinking about the sermon and thinking about this, this woman's reaction, I found myself saying, wow, this is a bit of a picture of what it, remain, what it means to respond in a Christ-like way. Um, so although I've said some things towards CBC that have been maybe less than... Um, Positive. This clip is actually from the CBC. Um, and I just want to show it and have you listen to it and, and think about where this story ends up and perhaps where it could have gone. So, Leah Ross normally has a quiet house. 
but things got a little heated one winter day. All this stuff from my basement is all over my kitchen. I go back here, my door is wide open, and, and it was like this wide open, swinging in the wind. There's a jacket down there, and I go get the jacket, and I'm like, someone broke into my house. Her house was ransacked shortly before Christmas. Ross panicked, called her neighbors, the church across the street, and 911 for help. Her heart rate soared. My Fitbit had tracked it, so I later saw my Fitbit that my heart rate went up to like 158, and I was terrified. Her basement window broken, and if that wasn't terrifying enough, then a ring at her back door. The burglar came back. She looked at me and she was wearing my clothing. She was wearing my jacket. She was holding a whole bunch of my bags uh, filled, filled with my stuff. Ross was stunned. And I said, are, are you gonna hurt me? And she said, no. I said, is there someone in the basement? Like, do you have a boyfriend or someone in the basement that's gonna hurt me? And she said, no, it's just me. I think I left my keys and my phone in your upstairs or in your basement. And she quickly realized this wasn't a normal burglar. This was a 17-year-old girl. I brought her in and I gave her ginger snaps and eggnog and we sat here on these couches. You see, Ross is a teacher who has a special love for kids. The two connected and the 17-year-old revealed that she's in foster care. And she burst and she said, and I do drugs. And my heart absolutely broke for her. While the two were chatting, another ring at the door. This time, Pastor Kim Stace here to answer Ross's call for help. She was obviously quite distraught, but she kind of leaned in and said, the burglar's in the kitchen. And my mind just started racing. My first thought was a little bit of fear because I didn't know, you know, what kind of burglar was waiting in the kitchen and why was the burglar in the kitchen? Police came shortly after, but Ross didn't want to press charges. She still keeps in touch with the girl today. The two text often and check on one another. Police say while the story is heartwarming, it's also a bit of a cautionary tale. That's because it goes against what they would normally advise homeowners to do after a burglary. Ross hopes her story will show that sometimes showing compassion to strangers can lead to positive outcomes. Austin Grabish, CBC News, Winnipeg. For some reason, that uh, it struck me as being a, almost a challenge to myself about how to react to situations where the natural tendency would not to do what ended up being done here. Um, and I'm not suggesting that we all need to to follow that example, but I think I think it speaks to. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount. I think it speaks to the attitude in our heart that Jesus says that we need to have as his children. I asked at the beginning if, uh, if we were to make a list of kingdom values. What kind of things might we put on that list? Um, that in the kingdom of God, in the hearts and minds of its citizens... What are the things that we would say we want these to be the values we hold? We want our lives ruled by these kind of values. And so I, I just created a bit of a list that I think is probably 
the next one. Here we go. And you can look at that list and say, well, Doug, there's some that you might say I could immediately add and say within the kingdom of God, you could have added this or that. But in terms of who we are as citizens of heaven, as sons and daughters of God, of the teachings of Jesus and what stands out in the New Testament, these are the kind of things that should characterize us, I believe, as God's people. Things like thankfulness, humility, generosity, confession. Don't think you'd find that one on a list of values in the kingdoms of this world. Compassion, peace, forgiveness, prayer, kindness, righteousness, love, hospitality, contentment. And I would say on most of that list, I don't think there would be much disagreement within the church of God. That people would look at that and say, you know what, yeah, I I think that is what God calls us to as his people. That these things are really not open to the kind of debate and tension that often exists in the kingdoms of this world. That can be so polarized and Paul talks about the sense of unity, of oneness, of harmony, of love that should exist within the household of faith, and it's based on living that way. Colossians 3, verse 12 and 14 says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other, forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together. Perfect harmony. Lots of other verses that say that similar things, maybe slightly different ways in different letters that Paul wrote. We sometimes focus on the command that Jesus gave his disciples to make disciples. He said, go and make disciples. And at times we think about that in terms of our own life, and we sometimes can think about that critically, like I'm not making enough disciples in my own life. I'm not discipling enough people. And while that may be true, I think a bigger question to ask is, help me truly become a disciple. Help me truly in my life and the way I walk and the way I think live that way. Help me value, God, what you value within this broken world. It's God's will, I believe, that his kingdom values would be evident in his children. They'd be evident in you and me, his citizens. They'd be evident in his church. And that to a very real degree, the church would be a living expression of kingdom values. 
And God would say here, take these and infiltrate the world with them. Walk according to these values and you will be doing the will of God the Father here on earth. We sometimes talk about our statement of faith as a kind of a list of theological things that we believe in. I think in the eyes of God our Father and in the eyes of Jesus our Savior, our statement of faith is actually the life that we live. That that really is what speaks the loudest. And I observe many people who might say to me, Doug, please don't ask me to teach, don't ask me to preach, don't even ask me to sort of try to explain my faith, but ask me to help, ask me to serve. And I sometimes think those truly are the people of God who understand what it means to live with Christ-like values. I'm going to invite the worship team to, to come back up. And just encourage us as a church uh, that we don't kind of walk at times blindly through the world in which we live, but that we truly walk with eyes and ears that bring to the world in which we live the heart of God. And we have for the last few weeks ended by saying the Lord's Prayer, so, you know, I want to do that again this morning, if you don't mind... Uh, standing with me, and we'll close with the prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples, and I believe the prayer he gives to us in a way to model how we should come before him. So pray with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.